Um, I started my sermon, sermon series last week um, called Position for Blessing. And uh, I spoke a little bit about how we need to find ourselves not just in the right spiritual space with God and position ourselves with God, but that we also need to find ourselves in the correct physical place that God desires of us. Now, I'm preaching the sermon series simply because I think there's a lack, the Word of God says something, He said, my people perish for a lack of wisdom, of knowledge. My people perish. And so, what has happened in the last few years and that is that often we've been afraid to address certain things and to speak about certain things because we just get to offend everybody. The problem is this, and I told you the story last week about the bunny and, and, and the sheep, you know, you can go listen to it on our podcast or on YouTube. But the problem is that we were so concerned about making everyone else happy that the sheep suffer. And you find yourself with a sheep and you guys are in a position where you don't know what's left and what's right. You don't know what the future holds. We don't know what it's going to look like out there next year. We don't know. We're still going to have COVID out there. We don't know. But last week we made it quite clear and it was this. That we're in the season in right now. We have to understand that God is our source. Amen. He is our source in everything. He's our source in our business, he's our source in our finances, he's our source in our marriage, he's our source with our kids, he is our source. But the, I want to carry on this week to, to another section of it, and it's this, that often there's a source that God provides for us that only you and I can unlock. Okay, one amen, thank you. And then God can unlock, so there's two. There's sometimes a source that God will put in front of us that we need to unlock. Because we've got to see that God was just doing everything for us. Okay? So if we want to pray now, God was answered by tomorrow and everything is sorted. So we've got the story, incredible story. In, 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 I'm going to just find a few quickly. It's in Mark or Matthew, where is it? Luke 9. Not in Mark or Matthew. Luke 9. I was so close. Luke 9. Now, let me tell you a little story quickly. Because Jesus makes a statement and. A lot of people go, yes, yes, yes. But Jesus makes a statement and he says this. It's better to give than to receive. Yeah, yeah I must say, yeah, you're the <laughs> Because all of us love receiving more than we love giving. You know, you know we can say what we want. Yes, we give a gift, yeah. But it's nice to receive. It's nice to get as well, you know. And, and often we look at this and go, we hold that a little bit tighter to certain things in our lives. Now, probably about, you know, we... Probably 20 months into COVID in, in September or so. I'll just give you a little testimony and it's very long and brave and okay. But 20 months into, into, into COVID, the church we have taken strain. I think all churches have taken strain. We've been shut for how long? You know, we, we haven't had any proper income and gas percent now. Our mouths and offerings and it's just where we are in the world right now, you know. Everyone's holding on to their head, everyone's like, there's nowhere to go. And probably about August or so, um, we noticed that job, things have been really serious now. So, so tell myself made this little effort um, in the sense of we decided we want to outgive our situation. The situation wasn't good. But we wanted to outgive our situation and really commit our time and that to God in prayer. And say, Father, you know, whatever we want to sow, we want to sow to the kingdom, but we want to sow out of nothing really. Because that's what we got. So what we did was we just started sowing into certain people's lives, started giving some people stuff, we started sowing into, into different areas. And in that season, all of a sudden things started to change in our lives. Things started to change in the sense of we got given tickets to go to fraud that we paid for. 
Um, van went into my bucky, the gearbox Saturday, ball sorted out. Someone gave me unbelievable amount of money a few months ago. But I'm not getting this because I'm giving. I'm getting this because God is faithful, but He needs us at times to react to His faithfulness. So now we read the story in Luke 9 and from verse 10. Alright? And so I'm going to catch up to this. But the apostles, when they returned, told him, I'm sorry, let me just go from verse, verse 9, chapter 1. Okay. He said, He called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases and sent them to preach the good tidings and to heal the broken heart. And then he said, You take nothing for the journey, nothing stop, no bags, no bread, no money, and do not have any tunics of peace. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And whoever will receive you when you go out of the city, shake of the, will not be seen, shake the dust of your feet and, test, and, and feet as a testimony against them. Alright, so Jesus speaks about these things. He says, yeah, guys, we really need to get in to what it is. That people are saying, when people bless you, you bless them. So when people come into your life, they do something extraordinary in your life, you've got to understand that God wants to do something great in your life. But then we carry on to the story of when Jesus comes and Jesus is teaching, the Word of God says He's teaching um, on the mountains, on the mountains to all the, the people. I just want to find it now. Let's come listen. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, something find it for me? I'll go to Luke 9, did I get it wrong? Luke 10. Where are we? 11, verse 11, where are we? Luke 11. Have you guys found it yet? Luke 9, chapter, verse, verse 10. Chantal's part, it's all wrong here. Okay, so, sorry, I've got you. So, and the apostles, when they heard, he turned, told him all that they had done, and he took them to a place belonging belong to the city and called it Beshida. But when the multitude knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and, and healed those who had a need of healing. I love that quote, they had a need of healing. Because often I wonder how many of us have a need of healing. Or we just want to be healed. And he goes and says, but when the multitude, oh sorry, verse 12 says, when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away, but they may go to surrounding towns and countries and lodges, good provision for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Now, now let's just get this quickly as the story carries on. The word speaks about, in Matthew, and it speaks about this in Mark and Luke, is that there were 5,000, now we speak about Jesus speaking of 5,000. It's actually not that. The word says there were 5,000 men. Alright, so what happens is this. Is that in those days, there would only count men that represented the family. The average amount of kids that people had in those days were four. So you take husband, wife, and four kids. Okay, let's take husband, wife, and three kids. And 5,000 men. Jesus didn't feed 5,000. There were 25,000 plus minus on that day. You can understand, they're all sitting here, the disciples are probably exhausted, the word says that they started in the morning, they are laid off the noon already, alright, they're thinking, okay, we're tired, we're hungry, we need water, what about the people, you know, they pop up to Jesus and go, Jesus, great job today, awesome work, but I think we need to close the service now, basically, you know the people are hungry and they're still going to get home and, and do all this kind of stuff, and Jesus says to them, well, if that's the case, why don't you feed them? 
But just let that sink in for a minute. That you're the disciple that has followed Jesus for so long, you know, and, and done great things, and seen Jesus do great things, and all of a sudden you go to the master, because now you know, he speaks everything before. You know, the dead have been raised, lepers have been healed, and they go to Jesus all inside, like, okay, he's going to send you away, or he's going to do something supernatural. So he goes, you know, Jesus, I think it's time for these guys to go. And Jesus turned and says, well, then what do Jesus will do? Now, it's quite a thing when I read this thing, because I think at times, there are times when Jesus says to us, why don't you sort it out? I'm your source. I'm backing you, 100%. But I need you to release a little bit of faith. You see, we said last week, what is faith? Faith has two components. One, that you have to believe that God exists. And secondly, that He can do everything that He promised. That's what faith is. And so He turns around and He says, why don't you feed them? And they're under the little bundle again. They said, Listen, Jesus, I don't know if he's tired, I think he's exhausted, but he's telling us to feed the weaver now. And all of a sudden, they, they, they find, you know, there's some five loaves and two fish or whatever, and they bring it to Jesus and say, Look at the story we've got. Now I'm going to pick up that story then quickly because it goes like this. So verse 30 says, But he said to them, You give them some to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves, two fish, unless we go and buy food for the people. But there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, make them sit in groups of 50. And he, and he did that. He made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to the disciples to sit before the multitude. Now you're going to understand something. You're going to say, Jesus takes a loaf of bread. Or was a loaf of bread that they could read like a bun. It wasn't this loaf. Omar bread is speaking of that it was like a bun. Like that, so you can imagine me now going and saying, Stephen, we've got 25,000 people here. Uh, uh, Christian, can you take one bun? You take one. Well, bro, it's half a bun. Half a bun for you, half a bun for you. Let's feed. The problem is the disciples probably thought, well, you know, Jesus is going to bless it. It's going to in front of me. But it didn't because he still gave him, they gave him five and, they, and he gave him half a bun back. And he said, now the thing, I can imagine Peter going, I'll come back to the city left. I'll come back to the city left. Come back to the city left. After he went first with, he stayed in his hand. Out of those five loads of two fish, 25,000 people get fed. Out of the 25,000 people that get fed, the word of God said there are still 12 baskets of fish and bread left over. Where did the miracle take place? In the hands of the disciples. Jesus blessed it, he broke it, he gave it, he reproduced it. You see, this is the problem we have in our understanding of God. Is that we expect God to do everything. And yet we don't understand that God, that we are God's eyes, hands, feet on the earth. We are his voice. God can't do anything on earth unless he comes through a person, through a man. He cannot bless you unless he comes through somebody. It's just not like you wake up one morning and your phone pings and there's 20,000 in your account and it's from God. If any of you had that, that would be really cool. I, I would like that. But it's not like that. Why? Because God moves in the heart of people. Now let me tell you something. There's a, there's a simple principle in life that everyone you've got to understand. And it's the principle of sowing and reaping. Now listen to me. I'm not speaking finances this morning. I am speaking finances, but I'm not speaking finances. Because as a church, we automatically go to finances. Why? Because everyone's been offended by finances in the church. Everyone has taken, the church has taken advantage of finances. I have seen it, believe me. 
I have seen pastors with Boeings and jets and cars and people starving in their church. And so all of a sudden, this really good principle that God gives us, we throw out because of the behavior of people. The problem is this, is when we throw out the principles of God, what happens? We throw out the blessing of God. And so we all of a sudden get offended by the path down the road that's got this and that and that and that, but if people are starving. You cannot throw out a godly principle. The principle is this, no sowing and reaping. Now God says to Adam, right in the beginning in Genesis 1, I think it's verse 28, 29. He says, I've given you all the seed. Let's just go there quickly. Otherwise you guys think I'm sucking out of my tongue here. I'll give you five minutes more. It's been a rough weekend without any sport. I've had to spend time with my wife. There's no rugby, no racing, nothing going on. No, I'm joking, my love. Uh, Genesis 21, I'm sorry, Genesis 1, verse 25. And it says this. Okay, verse 24 says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to his kind, cattle, creeping things, the beasts of the earth, and according to his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to his kind, cattle according to his kind, and everything creep on the earth according to his kind, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle of the earth, and all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God he created male and female, created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that you'll see. It is on the face of the earth. And every tree is fruit you'll see. And it shall be food for you. Listen to that. The word of God said that there's something called southern time and harvest time. Now let me tell you something. I can give you a packet of cabbage seeds. And if you take it and you put it on your windowsill, will there be a multiplication of it? No. If we take it out of the packet and we sow it into the ground, is there multiplication? Yes. It's actually a hundredfold of what you're going to sow. Now my Uncle Noss taught me something, he didn't teach me, but when I was thinking about the sermon, I thought back about my Uncle Noss, you know, we grew up on the farm with him and we were kids and that kind of stuff. And most of the time we went, that was all the stuff. You know, so we picked onions and beans, I'll tell you something, he made us work every store like that. But I always remember that there was always an amount that he put one side. Like even when he harvested the millions and clay, there were two bags, he would put one side. If we had onions, we hang them on the ceiling, there was a group of onions that were separate on one side. And he always just said, just, that's for the next plant. So before he even had, he ate of his very produce that he had, he first put away something. And, and why? Because he knew that if he ate his seed, there is no harvest. That if we eat our seed, there is no harvest. And if we are not going to sow, a farmer doesn't mind farm, sit on the stoop and go, well, I will want millies there, God, cabbages there, and pumpkins there. This is going to stop. The farm is going to stop. And so we've got to give the space to understand that God has made everything available for us. And I'm speaking not just finances, this is what I'm saying to you. That the healing of others could be in your hands. The, the marriage of others could be in your hands. And we miss this because you see, we keep, I said to you last week, we keep on getting into this thing in our heads 
that God loves us according to our bank balance. Remember, no, when our balance, when our bank is really low, you know, we pray more than ever. Hey, we read the Bible more than ever when our bank balance is low. When we've got a lot of money in the bank, we tend to pray less, read the Bible less. Why? Because we, well, God's favor is really upon me now because, you know, it's so great because now I've got money in the bank. And how can we pass that concept that, you know, it's all about money? Because it's not about money. I, I looked at, at what God had done. Yes, God had blessed us financially. But if I could look what God had done in my family in the last 12 months, in, in, in my brother, in my son, in my son, my son-in-law's life, in Jessica's life, that is now passing a church. Donovan is, is due for partnership at a very big company. Joshua got his dream job. Chloe is doing well. You know, they're both driving their, their dream cars. It's, they've been blessed out of their songs. And sometimes as parents, we can miss that because we're so looking for God to bless me. Yeah. But we don't understand that God blesses the people around us through us. And it's time that we can stand quiet. And it's time when it feels like no blessings are coming our way and everyone else has been blessed around us. Who's been there? Few of us. Hey? And the worst part about it, those are heathens that have been blessed around us. Hey? They're not even Christians. Like, oh Lord, they don't even go to church and they've got so much money. And we don't understand that yes, there comes a season. There comes a season where God has to do something significant in your life, prepare you for what God is about to do. Now, I'm going to go to Malachi 3.10. And it's the most famous thing that God's ever used when it comes to finance and tithing and that. <coughs> but I want to, I'm going to get something into it this morning. There is one thing, and if you get offended and you leave, I'm not going to be offended by you leaving. But you need to hear me this morning. If there's one thing that frustrates me in church life, is people that will argue whether tithing is Old and New Testament. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. Why irritates me? Because we are now negotiating and discussing whether we should bless God or not. I would love God and Jesus just to sit up and go, you know, let's only, let's only give to those people because, you know, they're white. And we're not going to give to the Chinese. And imagine if God had that mindset. That pastors can physically spend hours and hours and hours and hours arguing with the tithing of giving to God is the New Testament the Old Testament. I don't care if it's Old Testament. All that I know is that God blesses it. And so you can believe in all you can believe in the news. I'm not going to convince you this morning, but the word of God says very simply this. Listen to this. Verse 10, verse 8. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, What way have you robbed me? In your thousand offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me and the whole nation. Now listen to this. The word of God says, says you're cursed. A lot of people go, yo, we're not cursed because we're under Jesus. I hear you. If you study the word cursed in that thing, it means a change of mindset. That's what the word cursed means. So Jesus says that when you curse, with a curse, he says what happens is, is that the enemy comes in and contaminates your thought pattern. So what happens is you don't give anymore. Because the enemy says, well, you haven't got to give. Like you haven't been blessed with your darling before. Um, and you have to be blessed in your giving. Um, I'm rather going to give to some organization in Pakistan. You know? And what happened? The word says that when that curse comes upon you, it's not a curse like witchcraft, the mojo, ojo, and you know, all those things. It's, the word says that when you stop giving, the enemy comes and corrupts your mindset 
that has corrupt your mindset, you're almost convinced in your thinking that this is wrong. Can we get that out there? Okay, it's not the big thing that you think about. But listen, this part that I'm going to get to, it says this. He says, bring all the time to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So this is not us speaking. God says, the tithe has to come in because God asks us that we make sure that this house has provision. Jesus said, I will build my church in the case that I will not prevail against it. And so he says that if this is your body, if this is where you committed, is this where you belong? He says, is it possible that you can give to this house? Simply so this house will not be without you? That you will not be without supply? That you will not be without salaries? And he carries on and he says, he says, he says, and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven above you, pour out a blessing upon you, that you will not be able to retain or to receive. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the only place in the Bible where God says this to yes. Only place. And God says, you have the ability now to test me. That's a big thing. And there's no consequence. You're not going to be struck down by lightning. You're not going to die or anything. God just says, test me with her. I do you. Go for it. Test me and see that I will not open. I don't know about you, but I like the part about open the floodgates of heaven and pour a blessing upon you that you will not be able to contain. I don't know who wants that blessing. You know, that's the kind of blessing I want to live under. That's the kind of blessing I want to walk under. You see, and you've got to, again, it's not about the financial side of stuff. It's about the fact that we are in love with God, that He is our source, and we give because we love Him. That is why. And God gives us because He loves us. But there are times when you and I really need to dig into the things of God and not be caught up in this thing. We want to be positioned for the blessings of God. We've got to do the principles of God right. Now someone said to me one day, he says, you know what, I cannot afford to tithe. And I said to him, simple, you cannot afford not to tithe. Because we came from a season where the enemy has convinced all of us that we're holding on like this. And it could be our jobs, it could be our marriages, it could be our relationships. We're holding on for dear life because we don't know at the moment what is going to happen out in the world. And this is why, you guys know me, I've never preached on finances. But this year, God said, you could, you need to preach this thing. Because if you do not teach the people this year, there will be nothing left for the next year. So listen to me. I'm not asking for your money. I want you, I'm trusting God that your heart will be open to a principle that can change your situation next year. One, God is your source. Two, that if you give to God, God will open the floodgates of heaven above you. And three, that if you open yourself up to God, the multiplication will take place in your hands. You don't have to wait for anybody else. You don't have to wait for bank managers. You don't have to wait for anybody. We read in Genesis 26, where Isaac, the word of God, positions him once again. And when God says, I want you to go. And the verse starts about this, you go read it. But it says, and they were in the worst drought that the land had ever seen. In the worst drought that the land had ever seen. How many of us feel lucky there? In relationships, in our relationship with God, in our finances, in our work situation, in everything. And the word of God says, because God said to him, this is where I desire, the word of God says that Isaac in that same year sowed. Now can you imagine, the worst drought ever, the worst drought ever, and Isaac said, because God said he must sow, he decided to sow. The word carries on to read the end of that chapter and says, 
And in that same year, Isaac harvested a hundredfold of what he sowed. And the man blessed him, and the man became prosperous. Let me tell you something. It's easy to give when you've got. <laughs> it's not easy to give when you haven't got. And, and you've got to understand this. We've got to get to this place in our lives where somewhere we diminish the love of God and the grace of God in our lives by what is happening around us. God is not going to leave you nor forsake you. You guys have made so many mistakes. We've made all of those mistakes. We've all held on to things. We've all trusted God for a miracle that hasn't come through. We prayed about a job and it hasn't happened. But in the season that we're right now, I really believe that we need to start to position ourselves correctly in things of God. Find out where it is that God desires you to be. Get into a spiritual place with God in your head and say, Father, you know what, I want to get right with you. He said last week, every one of us say, you know, God, can I just be with you where I was when I got saved? When I was so excited about the gospel, we can get back there. We can get back there. But you see, the thing is this, you've got to learn to sow. And the sow is what? You've got to sow in your prayer life. You've got to sow in the word of God. You've got to read the word of God. You've got to sow in your time. You've got to sow in your tenderness with church. The word of God says that we bring dwelling unity. God commands a blessing. And so just because of the fact that you've got out of bed this morning in your year, already God from heaven is commanding the angels to bless you right now. Right. Unless the Bible is not true. Unless it's just a story. <laughs> you see how many blessings the things of God? How many of you walked in here and said, I'm excited because God's going to command the angels to bless you today. Not one of you talk about that. But the word of God says when you come together, He says with two or three of you gathering my name, who's here? Did you wake up this morning and say to you, hey, we're going to lead to Jesus this morning. Yeah. You know what? Because I guarantee you that you'd be more than two or three people at church. You see how we must have principles of God. Imagine if you came to church with that mindset. Imagine if you came to church with that mindset like, I know that this is going to be there. I know this one's going to be there. I know this one's going to be there. So Jesus is there. Come. We're going to lead to Jesus this morning. And you know what else? When you walk in the door, the word of God says, we're going to be well together. Come on, the blessing of God. And you know what, baby, I'm going to take my card in my pocket and stick in the plate. Guess what? He says, you're going to return to me 40, 60, 100 fold of what I'm saying. These, these, are not, these are not stories, people. This is not, this is not history. This is not geography. This is the word of God. This is a living, active word. What he says happens. That when he says you lay hands on the sick, they get well. Guess what? They do get well. The only thing that's not from God is our faith. You know, because sometimes we pray that I'm praying for the sickness. I've not got faith at all. And we don't realize that it's in our hands, the very seed that people require, the very seed that people need for healing and miracles and signs and wonders. You know, people often say to me, you know, Pastor, you really got to pray that I get a new job. My boss is a total, you know, and the secretary just doesn't like me. And I often say to people this, God is not going to move, remove you from that position until you fulfill your purpose there. Because you've got to believe that where you are right now, God has placed you there for a reason. If it's in an old age home, if it's a, a company, whatever it is, wherever you are right now, God has placed you there to fulfill a purpose and a plan. Otherwise, what is He doing? Because Jeremiah 29 says, Well, no, the plans are for you to Lord John. Prosper, not to harm you, plans give you hope in the future. That means that wherever John walks in, guess what walks in with him? A hope in the future. See, these aren't just things that Jesus said because he was bored. 
These are things that, these are promises towards you. And you know that there are over 2,000 promises in the Word of God towards you? How many of us understand the promise of God? How many of us live in the promise of God? And how many of us activate the promise of God in our lives? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You know the word of God says that no weapon fought against me will prosper, no tongue raised against me will stand. You know that? He said the enemy come into one way three and seven different directions. Think about me. The psalmist actually says that he hems me in. He hems me in. That the enemy cannot come in. There are principles that we don't live by. We forget these things. We wake up in the morning, oh, I don't feel like the world today. Imagine Jesus woke up this morning and goes, oh, I don't feel like the church today. You know? And we miss these things. There's a life that you live in church. There's a supernatural life that Jesus has released on earth. He's released the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. The nature of God is in you. He says, you will add to the sick and they will be well. He says, you will break bread. And guess what? It will multiply in your hand. And we've got to get this. We are blessed beyond the curse. We are blessed beyond the curse. We are so blessed at the moment that, you know, in our health and our wealth, our prosperity, everything. But I can preach to you to the custom home. If this does not drop into your head who you are in Christ Jesus, you are just going to be a pure woman. That's right. If you don't get it, we're going to see next week, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, our King. Hey, and we're in the church at the moment that is more despondent in this world than it ever has been. Hey, the church is not even excited to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior at the moment. Because everyone's hiding in their little hollows and foxholes. Everyone's terrified. But yet God is our source. And yes, God can heal and God can deliver and God can set us free. <laughs> but I want you to get this. 2022 is around the corner. And already I hear people saying, Oh, hope it's not going to be another year like last year. What? It will be a year the way you enter it is the way you're going to exit next year. The way you enter next year, if you understand the principle that God loves you, that He died for you, that the miracles are in your hands, that you His eyes, His feet, His hands, His ears, that His principles of pardoning and giving and multiplication. These are things that God has put in your head. So the next year, don't walk into 2022 like a pauper. Hey, poor woman, to me. That's what we do. And you know what happens when you enter like a pauper? Guess what? You can end like a pauper. Let's get this thing right. Let's get this head right. Let's understand that the promises of God, the word of God says, are yes and amen. Go find them for yourself. Go find them for yourself. Go understand the principles. Go understand the principles of saying and reaping. Understand what even Jesus said, going to all the world and make disciples. So when Jesus says these things, make it happen in your life. But I need us to change our mindset for 2022. I mean, most of you don't even know that 2021 can pass now. 
Must have been since after 2020. Don't you think it's a very long time of year? Like people didn't even plan anything for 2021. They're like, oh, it's going to carry on. And if that is our mindset, what are we doing? Look around you. You're a king's kid. You're a king's kid. Jesus paid the price for you. He died for you. Jesus, God gave. Now I'm the next week's sermon. God gave. God gave so that you might have. May this time that you get so that others might have. May the second season be the best ever. May this be the best celebration ever. May we walk into 2022 bolder, stronger, more courageous, like lions. And can we stop moaning about petty nonsense? <laughs> can we just can we get over the theological nonsense that in church? Can we maybe just love Jesus next year? Hey, just love Jesus and love each other. And then talk to people about Jesus and bring them to church and, and pray for the sick. You know, instead of doing all the theology about end time, this time, that time. I don't know. The word says, Jesus says, I don't even know the time and the hour. I've got theologians that have printed down to the last minute. I'm like, you're better than Jesus. You're amazing. Don't make the mistake, yes, we're preparing for the coming. Hey, I've been preparing 55 years of my life for the coming. And every one of you, and Jesus had prepared every one of you for the coming. So let's get on with life. Stop hoarding food in your cupboard for the, for the apocalypse. We've gone crazy in this world. We really have. I mean, I really thought us in Africa the real tough guys, you know. Like I said, you should tell men, I said, Africans must do a survivor. Yes, I was survivor the other day. Goodness gracious me. Those guys were not getting minutes in my backyard. <laughs> It's time to be tough again. It's time to stand who we are. We're children of God. We're men and women that are prepared to fight for our God. Our God is prepared to fight for us. Our God wants to bless us and we want to bless Him. doesn't matter who gives what, how gives what. Listen to this. I mean, you put any seed in the soil, it grows. But you've got to water it. And so get ready for 2022. Get ready for the best Christmas of your life. I know things are looking that good right now, but let me tell you something about that. Your life can change. Amen. You see, there's one thing I can tell you. I serve a God of the suddenly. I serve a God of the suddenly. I serve a God of the suddenly. And just like that, you know, Elijah proclaimed drought for three and a half years of the land at his word. Not at God's word, at his word, the word says. And he defeats the prophets, and I'm going to carry on next week, I'm here about it, but he defeats the prophets. And he kills 850 of his prophets. Yeah. And he does it looks on the hill, we know the story, and I shouldn't say that, but it's in 1 Kings 18. And he looks on the hill, and he's sitting there, and now he said to the king, I have run, for there's a sound of abundant rain coming. But there's not even a cloud in the sky. So he sits there, the word says, he sits with his head between his knees, and he says to his servant, run to the cliff and the Google was happening. That servant comes back six times, he says to him, Elijah, there's nothing. The seventh time he comes back, he says there's a cloud the size of a man's hands on the horizon. You see, that was enough for Elijah. 
He got up, the word says he girded his robe and he said, prepare, for there is the sound of abundance of rain coming. Let me tell you something. There's a season where you need to start to gird. Yes, that cloud looks as big. But you know what? For my heart, that's good enough. That's all I need. I don't, you see, most of us need a thunderstorm. Sometimes you just need a cloud. This big. Amen. 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 Can, I, can, can the three of my worship people come up? 